0: Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Listeners, welcome, welcome. Today's the continuation of The Stone in the Stream, written by Fee Stringer. And as far as slow burners go, I'm loving this story. In the last episode, we got to learn more about Zoe and her boyfriend Patrick. They have a unique relationship, but Zoe is certainly unique herself. And as we discover more about Zoe, her headspace, and what makes her tick, as it were, her life starts to take a strange turn. And Zoe herself is sort of strange as it is. Or rather, a better term would be different. But now, well, something happens to Patrick, and we're going down that rabbit hole as to what has happened to him. Mystery or madness, mates? We'll find out. The rain is still pouring down here. Bear with me, mates, on my intro and outro. I'll do a light thank you to all my patrons at the end of this episode, conscious that we now have hail falling down where I am, and that most certainly plays silly buggers with my power and also my audio. Anyhow, turn the lights off, the sound up, and let's turn the page to the next chapter in The Stone in the Stream. Let's dig in. The Stone in the Stream continued. How have you been, Zoe? Dr. Marcus asked her in her softest, most soothing voice. I can't complain. Her response was as it always was in the four years since she had been a patient of Dr. Marcus. Seeing a therapist was one of those things she found very natural in her life. While the benefits were sometimes questionable as to whether or not it was worthwhile, it clearly did not hurt anything or anyone. It made the people she knew, her mother, her friend, Lisa, and of course Patrick, a sweet boy who genuinely seemed to care, feel that she was at least attempting to take care of herself. Dr. Marcus, a woman who was too skinny, but healthy, appeared to be in her mid-fifties. The question that always started off this session was asked, What's changed? This was one of the reasons why Zoe liked Dr. Marcus. It left the question open, not in a box to be confined with a yes or no, not a prying question into the corners of the heart or mind, simply a quick inquiry into what had changed since last they spoke. Trust was something that Dr. Marcus had earned with Zoe, even if it was in a doctor-patient dynamic. But even with trust, Zoe had to choose how she spoke with some care, as the information itself was strange and can still cause a judgmental reaction from anyone, trusted or not. Well, I saw something that I can't really explain, Mark, Zoe replied, using a comfortable pet name that the good doctor didn't mind. Okay, and what was that? The kindness of her voice was evident. I think I said that wrong, it's actually what I didn't see. Zoe made eye contact with Dr. Marcus, then offered a small grin, always testing her therapist for a reaction that was out of character. A game of sorts, but one that both played with equal and accepted comfort. Okay, and what did you not see then? There are these steps on the way home that I see every day, and today there was one less. Dr. Marcus had listened to Zoe Throughout the appointment, with what was clearly more interest than was normal, hallucinations for schizophrenics did not usually take on a form of not seeing things that were there, but generally was the opposite. Dr. Marcus was more inclined to think that it may have been more of a memory issue rather than a hallucination. Although Zoe was certain this was not the case, she accepted the possibility, and decided to give the doctor the benefit of the doubt. Observation and action begin to blur together eventually. Since observation is in itself an action of sorts, curiosity and fear also have a tendency to blur together as well. When the curiosity has led you to a place that was not only unexpected, but also impossible. Zoe lay back into her bed, and closed her eyes after her therapy was completed. Another walk and more time to think is required, Zoe thought to herself. On her comparatively small list of things that she had to accomplish, going to the store, returning phone calls, cleaning, she decided that all could wait for an afternoon, and she would go see her other kind of therapist, the one that was in the parks and paths of the heavily wooded area just outside the city, that spoke to her in soothing sounds. From the trees, birds, the sounds of babbling brooks, and the touch of the wind. She decided to be dropped off at an amusingly named Salisbury Park. She chose this park because it had a lot of woods, of course, but also bridges and water. Seeing things flow always made her mind work better. Be it emotional problems or puzzles in her life she was trying to ponder. In this case the puzzle was, how do I figure out if I'm going mad? And more importantly, what does it mean if I'm going mad versus not going mad? Not enjoyable, but necessary. She said goodbye to her friend, Willie, who dropped her off, and took her cell phone out checking the battery to make sure She could call another ride to meet her at the main entrance at a later hour. Salisbury Park was by no means a gigantic space when compared to other more prestigious parks. Not a national or state park in size or stature, but it had that marvellous quality of certain spaces of being seemingly endless once inside it. Almost like the blue box on a TV show she had enjoyed a few times. On a local map, it would appear to be almost nothing. A small green polygon with a line for a road going out front. No more noticeable than any other item on the map. A few square miles, maybe, according to the scale. But after walking over the first hill on the main path, all of the freeway sounds became distant, if not gone completely. And instead, were replaced by the sound of the trees swaying in the wind. The fact that in physical terms she was less than an hour's walk from a suburban block, industrial park, or farmland of some sort evaporated from her mind. She might as well be in the middle of a primordial forest in Denmark, or on another planet. From just how far away everything felt from her inside that forest. There were a few other places where she felt this sensation. From her childhood, she remembered there was a house that belonged to an aunt of hers, that once inside seemed to go on forever with hallways and doors. She remembered trying to open and see into them all, but her mother had stopped her in her quest, and she never knew the answer to that puzzle. Another had been a particular patch of a desert that was located in a southwestern city where she'd been visiting a friend. She took a path that started across the road. From a strip mall. There had been several rocks and boulders in the area, and she had walked around a corner not more than 200 feet from the nearest storefront, and she felt that same sensation of being utterly far away from everything in humanity. Most of these areas that she had seen before still had the garbage and noise of her civilization, but this place was full of other things. Life, color, and the sound of her own breath. Zoe walked down the first path, and then took the first path to the left, which led her up a small, leafy hill, and then down a winding, rooty path to a small stream. The path continued alongside the stream for some time, then reached a small bench. The bench blended in with the colour and feel of the path so well it almost appeared like a natural occurrence, while logically the bench had been there for less than 15 years in all likelihood. It had a very old and very weathered quality, which she usually saw in centuries-old churches and medieval walls and photographs. She always had the suspicion tingling in the non-logical parts of her mind that all of these parks and forests were interconnected somehow. That if one simply knew the right path to take, and the right way to take it, she could pop out in another park across town, or maybe in a distant forest in Australia, or another planet somewhere, that if one walked at the right pace, stepped on the right stones, and around the right roots, the path would miraculously lead to an unknown location. Although it had never happened to Zoe, and she knew that it probably never will, she often thought of how pleasantly she would feel, and how strangely not surprised. The path turned away, from the stream and went sharply upward. And after a minute or so, the hill crested and the sun made its way through to light the path down the other side. Zoe let her mind settle on fixing the problem at hand and she finally started to feel the dislocation necessary for her mind to be clear. Her inner dialogue was coming through to her. So you saw a step that wasn't there the day before. What is the big deal, Zoe? The big deal is... What if it is a sign of something worse? A more serious problem? Zoe, you are making your decisions based on what ifs, and that is no way to conduct yourself. True, but still, what should I make of this? Should I ask for more help? Should I talk to someone else? It simply is what it is, Zoe. This is no different from any of the other things that are odd about the way you see things. This is just perhaps a step further than usual. Zoe continued her dialogue as she walked, crossing another stream on a small wooden footbridge. She came to a large boulder, mainly buried in the dark soil around it, but it was a very sufficient place for her to stop and sit for a few minutes and let the quiet return to her. She stretched her arms out and let her back settle on the cool surface of stone and watched the leaves, dancing in the light of the afternoon sun. No sounds of roads or horns penetrated this deep into the park, so his hand drifted and touched a few of the weeds on the ground beside the boulder. The sound of the insects and the birds had shifted slightly, becoming louder than before. She glanced to the right as a warm wind blew over her body. Something was changing very subtly around her. The clouds through the branches were moving in a strange and fast way that she had not seen before. There should have been more fear in her, but something about the changes were offsetting it. The warm air, the dense moisture all around, there being more oxygen than she was used to, all made her feeling slightly euphoric. She began to walk on the path again, wanting to get to slightly higher ground. She knew she had to leave the park, but it was escaping her memory as to where she had come in, and where the path led. She heard rain falling somewhere in a distant forest, but it was striking her ears in slow motion as she moved on. Zoe reached a clearing where she could see the surrounding sky better than before. The sun was so bright still even with the rain somewhere close by. She saw a massive cloud on the horizon, very faint to the east. It was coming into view more and more as the air seemed to settle into a less hazy state of being. Her eyes continued to focus upon it, and more of its features became visible. It was symmetrical from what she could tell, holding a shape of a pyramid in. The thought trailed off as the realization took its place. It was not a cloud that she was seeing, but a structure, massive and dark, coming from the flora-filled horizon. She gazed on it in awe as a tear formed in her eye. The structure had to have been still miles and miles away from her, and yet it stretched to the sky, discarding modern laws and impressions of architecture By her calculations, the structure must have been over 200 stories in height. It gave the impression of something distinctly unknown to all of her knowledge and worldview, echoing back to some forgotten time in prehistory. The tear in her eye was formed by a combination of wonder, fear, and an overwhelming sense of smallness of her being. The trance she had found herself in was broken by the wall of rain that had finally reached her, soaking her to the bone almost instantly. The piercing light of the sun had given way to dark grey and black skies of the enormous storm that had rushed in. Try as she might. Through the droplets, she could not see the structure anymore through the downpour. When her eyes finally located the path again, and she started to walk towards the tree line of the clearing, another sight stopped her in her tracks. In the trees there were lights, glowing, otherworldly lights visible in the dark shadows of the woods. At least seven or eight distinctly, and the hint of several more behind them. They were a sea-green colour, and the rain made them appear like liquid ghostly eyes in the distance. There was a chirping sound coming from beside her, as lightning filled the sky, giving a temporary flash illuminating the woods. She saw that the lights were in fact some form of ocular organ on the massive and insect like bodies that were bulked up about them. Zoe, please. We're, we're trying, trying to, to talk, talk to you. you, her inner voice said without prompting. The chirping sound got louder and louder. Zoe's hand instinctively swatted down in the direction by her side where the sound had been coming from. Her hand slapped the cell phone as it rang mercilessly on the rock where she lay. Her knuckles scraped the surface of the rock as she felt for the phone. It was Willie calling her, the ID said. It was well past dusk and the forest had taken on a soothing hum of cricket and insect noises. In her apparent awakening, she had missed the call from Willie. But the phone had been the source of the chirping noise that she had heard in her sleep. Willie would call back in a few minutes. She knew. For a moment, a shiver went down her spine as she saw the lights from her dream approaching on the walking path, but felt another shiver of relief when the several joggers went by with their flashlights. She sat on her rock and watched them go by, trying to figure out the reason for their lingering looks upon passing her. In all of her years of walking in the woods, or around town, or anywhere, Zoe had never fallen asleep, and with such vivid images in her brain. Perhaps it was her subconscious solving the puzzle of her mental state on its own. Something about gargantuan cyclops structures and arthropod-like creatures would bring her some calm deeper down. But in the short term, her normally peaceful demeanor was shaken. She felt uncomfortable as she trudged back, answering the phone this time to calm the nerves of Willy. who had been waiting at the gate for quite some time, completely worried that she'd not heard from Zoe. It had been seven hours since she had been dropped off. Willie saw her approaching the car and then went into the trunk for something, emerging with a towel. Oh, here, girl. What, did you go swimming in there or something? Zoe accepted the towel, coming to the realization that she and her clothes were equally soaked through the strange look from the late-day joggers all of a sudden made sense. The rain in her dream had somehow made her wet for real. Willie was concerned about Zoe the whole way home, but no more concerned than Zoe was about herself. Her own voice speaking to her in a dream was not odd in and of itself and the idea of falling asleep in a park, although odd for her, was also not a strange concept. But the transference of the water from her dream to a dry day in the park was concerning to her as well as the very specific and otherworldly contents of her dream. A normal smart person logic would kick it right about now, trying to explain her being soaked to the bone by some type of normal smart reasoning. Perhaps she was getting sick, and it was sweat? That would explain the dream as well. The thought of lying in the woods covered in sweat was unpleasant at best. But Zoe's reason for not following that logic was simply that she knew it was water by the way it felt and reacted. She did not stink to high heaven and Willy had not mentioned anything like she normally would have. The other logical conclusion was that she had in fact fallen into the creek somewhere and not remembered. She had not sleepwalked since she had been a little girl. But given the strange dream and odd things going on in her mind these days, It was not too far-fetched to think that she had gotten herself wet in the creek and then returned to the location of the rock. Zoe sighed deeply to herself, and she knew that either of these explanations did not lend themselves to a happy ending. Institutionalization, or some kind of bizarre flu that made her pass out and sweat, were both equally unappealing. However, The other answers were from a realm that she had long since decided not to actively entertain the possibility of, even though deep down she knew there was much more than she could openly acknowledge. Both the impressions that she received from things in the world around her, and the events in her life that had shaped her view of things, perfectly fell in line with the strangeness of the last few days. Zoe knew that she could either explore the traditional side of her issues, contact her psychiatrist, contact a doctor and try to improve her health, or she could see if the other road led somewhere and let the side of her that she had kept in check for so long finally take point. For a time, it was dangerous to allow that part of her to take over. She knew it. It was a way of thinking that took her to other places in her mind that she sometimes could get lost in. Or worse, that sometimes she did not want to leave. All of this Zoe realized might be moot, as at this point she had little or no control over what she'd seen and experienced so far. Chapter 3 What Do We Know? So many different ways to interpret events as they occur throughout life. Zoe never understood why people struggled so much to find the meaning of life. To her, it was obvious that life was full of meaning, and not just one, Thousands upon thousands of meanings in everyone's lives every day. The amount of meaning in everyone's lives was almost overwhelming at times, and it surprised her that people did not go out of their way to find less meaning in their lives. The problem she saw was that they were trying to sort through the meanings they didn't like to find one that fit them exactly, while in the meantime the meaning all around them would sometimes crush the life out of them. It was up to Zoe to find the meaning of what was happening now, at least what it meant to her. She decided to go to one of her more spiritual friends, with some of the information. A girl by the name of Emma. Although she usually went by the nickname of Carrot, which had nothing to do with her hair or skin color, more her insatiable appetite for vegetables. In fact, Carrot had almost bleached blonde natural hair, And a decent tan most of the year. She called Carrot on her cell phone and they agreed to meet the next day at Carrot's apartment. One of Carrot's favourite pastimes was dream interpretation, and it seemed like a good place as any to begin. Were equal parts absolute genius insight, and on the opposite end of the spectrum absolute silliness. Most people who knew her well enough to talk to her about her dreams knew to take both into account. Carrot listened to Zoe intently as she told the details of the dream and the circumstances surrounding it. Carrot grinned for a moment at the downpour section. Zoe noticed this and went on with her story. Carrot thought a moment before she spoke. Zoe, have you noticed anything else strange going on around you that led up to this dream? Zoe could not help but smile, pleased that Carrot had elected to lead with her genius intuition first. Yes, actually." Zoe stated, before mentioning the odd dancing of Starlight in her meditation plus the oddness of the missing step. Carrot nodded slowly. Most people, Carrot started, with a bit of sarcasm emphasizing her low opinion of what most people thought about most things. Most people, she repeated, say that dreams are your way of the subconscious working things out and making sense of things in the world around them that did not make sense while they were awake. Carrot was making quotation signs with her hands as she spoke. For the most part, I agree. But I also think that other things can try to solve their puzzles and issues through your subconscious as well. Zoe's eyebrows raised for a moment. Other things can use my subconscious? She asked with a smile. Well, yes, replied Carrot. Some people like to watch their partner sleep, and it soothes them. That's of course a more mainstream example of what I'm talking about. She took a drink of her vegetable smoothie. And sometimes it can be spirits, ghosts, things from other planes. Zoe looked down at the floor. What Carrot was saying was clearly going hand in hand with the phrase as she heard her own voice say about some party trying to talk to her. Her mind was starting to cloud over with thoughts both wondrous and dark when Carrot continued. "'The pyramid and the glowing eyes might be past life stuff, but there is this thing about the water too, Zoe,' Carrot said in a serious tone, bringing Zoe back to the conversation. "'The rain in the dream, Zoe, and then waking up all soaking?' There was concern in Carrot's voice. Yes, said Zoe, encouraging her to go on. Water like that in a dream usually means that something extremely sexual is going on inside you somewhere. Carrot spoke using the same tone. Maybe you are frustrated and need to get some of that energy out. Do you remember when you woke up on the rock if you felt like, you no, know, really turned on? Zoe sighed and smiled to herself. Carrot was now zooming to the other end of the spectrum of her interpretation, which was actually quite comforting, for it took some of the weight off the moment for her. It almost made Zoe wonder if Carrot was smarter than she appeared and was doing it on purpose to lighten things up. I honestly can't remember, but I don't think I am frustrated. Zoe replied. Carrot became more animated. I mean, maybe something spiritual is very attracted to you sexually, Zoe. I mean, you have a very attractive soul in my opinion, and it might not just be about your soul either, you know? I mean, you are so pretty, you have wonderful eyes, a great sense of style, and oh my god, you have the perfect ass and tits, so anything out there might have taken notice of that and wanted you. I am not gay, of course, but I can see these things. I can tell how great it would be to- Okay, Carrot," Zoe said with a big, friendly grin. Zoe had been tempted to let the flattery continue for a while longer, but thought it would be a little too distracting. I think I see what you mean. Carrot saw Zoe's smile and lightened her tone. Sorry, Zoe. I know I can get a bit carried away, but you really are a catch. You are sweet, Carrot, and I do think you have given me some things to think about. She meant it as well. Although Carrot might have been used to hearing such statements, With a tad of patronizing undertones, Carrot understood that was not the case with Zoe. Carrot knew that Zoe was the kind of person who tried to always say what she meant without subtext. There was no simple answer before Zoe, and given the information she had thus far, she decided to do the most intelligent thing she could given the situation. That being to continue on with her life as if nothing had changed. After all, there had been nothing so far that she could detect that required immediate action Nothing in life or death as far as she could tell. She was already getting treated for her odd cocktail of psychological issues and she would continue to be honest in that area. If they thought something of it, she would work with them on it. It was somewhat a relief that she had come to this decision. Not for the reason of laziness that might be thought of all too quickly, but because acknowledgement of the inability to change things that were beyond her control was a very sane thought indeed. Zoe decided that going to a movie with Patrick sounded like a lovely distraction from the past few days' distractions. And more so, she needed someone around her that would not pry and simply appreciate her for a while. And she had pried far too much into her own mind as of late. They watched an action movie in the theatre that night, and later engaged in more physical distraction that put a lot of stress out of her mind. When Zoe woke up the next morning, Patrick was not in the bed and all of his clothes were gone, including his cell phone. She knew that he had to work early and rolled over to his part of the bed, feeling relaxed and comfortable for the first time in a few days. She slept for another half an hour and made herself eggs scrambled with cheese. After some house cleaning, she decided to call Patrick and see how his day was going. She pulled out her cell phone and looked in her history, as he was the last person that she had spoken to the night before and the name was not on the list. Annoyed at the technology, she went into the contact list and his name was aggravatingly missing once again. She decided finally to dial in the number and made a mental note to get in touch with her cell phone company and bitch at them. The phone rang twice when a roboticized voice finally answered asking her politely to hang up and try and call again. The same voice answered the next call and the next. The droning female robot showed no emotion, which was the polar opposite of what Zoe was feeling like expressing at that moment. It almost sounded mocking in its apathy. Beneath the annoyance there was a sinking feeling of dread that she absolutely refused to entertain. Zoe went on with the motions of her day, letting some time pass, trying to make the call here and there again. She tried a few more of her acquaintances and connected with them without an issue. The anxiety around 2pm had built up to the point where a headache had formed around where the neck connected with her skull. She kept humming and whispering to herself, and was hearing things in the corners of the silence. She had not felt this way in quite some time, and it was saturating her emotions like an old sickness, revisiting when she thought she had become immune. Patrick worked at a hardware store about 20 minutes from the centre of town. They had seen her there before, but rarely spoken to her. Her offbeat appearance, mixed with her good looks, being a bit of a mystery for most of the other male employees. Added to that, Patrick had been dating her while no one else could even get up the courage to talk to her for more than two minutes. Hey there, said one of Patrick's co workers as she walked in the door. I'm Jeff. Can I help? She remembered Jeff from her previous visit, and the fact that she had met him with Patrick before had apparently escaped him at that moment. "'Hey, Jeff,' she said with a smile. "'Just looking for Patrick. I need to talk to him real quick if I could.' He thought for a moment and then replied, "'Yeah, sure, um...' He seemed to be thinking about something hard and then said, "'Last name?' Zoe felt her blood turn to cold eels as she tried to remain calm, but Jeff glanced down to her shaking hand despite her attempt at self-control. Patrick Taylor. He works here. The last statement was more of a plea than a statement as it left her trembling lips. Jeff paused again. Okay, yeah. He may be new. Hang on. He walked away quickly, his anxiousness to leave the conversation practically emitting from his body language. She watched him walk to the counter and talk to Andrew, Patrick's manager, and she read Andrew's heavily bearded facial expressions and Jeff's shrugging. She decided to not stand back and hear what they were inevitably going to say to her, something along the lines of, Never heard of him? Are you sure he works at this store? Or, Are you sure you aren't looking for someone else? Maybe I can help you she could not handle hearing more evidence of the fact that patrick had ceased to have ever existed and this is where we'll stop for now your next chapter is next wednesday titled open for business to my patron supporters i want to thank my god tier supporter maya the o night titan thank you so much for your support I've been able to use a new tool called Neutron Elements that is spicing on my audio. In fact, you'll be hearing its effects in this episode, clearer, sharper, and all around better audio. Thank you so much, Maya. My White Tea Warlord, Lesnar Bauer, thank you man, for supporting me at your level. I'll be saying a heidi ho this weekend, see how you are doing, and checking up on my pal. And my second White Tea Warlord, Paige Kramasaurus. I had a blast responding to your last email and already look forward to hearing more about your collections and what's been happening in Pageville. Thank you for your support page. And my old grain forces. you rock stars or podcast support. I'm lucky to have Just Heather, Juicebox Andy, Peter Raffelli, Dolphin and Cow, Michelangelo Yacone, Divided by Zero, and Leah Fassi. Thank you all so much. And I'll return to my proper thank yous this Friday. Also, I'll be doing a proper thank you for Catherine Mason, who has supported the podcast annually and upfront. Thank you immensely. Every supporter that joins me on Patreon really helps out. Your annual support also allows me to identify how to spend that money and where I can best place it. Thank you, you epic peeps, and stay awesome. As always, till next we meet.